Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Probably I had data points I might not have had if I'd have made my life really small and avoided situations, but I wasn't up for that. I wasn't interested in that. And, and I take that and that's that's my decision and we all have our own to make. But I'm pretty sure that none of us decide to stop drinking in order to make our lives smaller or our worlds smaller. We do it to make our worlds bigger. Our worlds are normally small enough by the time we're at the point where we're ready to to stop drinking or leave alcohol behind. Happy Tuesday, lovely people. Now we've got a really cool episode today. We're gonna to talk about data points. Now for some of you, you may know what they, they are and some of you might be like, huh? But in this world of going alcohol free, you'll hear words like relapsing and you know going back to day one and these kinds of things. Now, as me and Ellie see it, when you look at the science and when you look at the reality of how humans learn, we never go back to day one. We may feel like we do, right? But actually what we get is a bunch of data. So just as a way of framing this discussion, that's what we're talking about here. And if anyone's been in the world of this naked mind, and, um, and you'll know that me and Elia are, are trained, have trained with Annie, who wrote the book, This Naked Mind, we talk a lot about data points. Effectively, you know, drinking if we didn't plan to, but there's way, there's many other facets and factors to this, right? And there are there are data points that, that don't involve drinking at all, that can come years after we've stopped, you know? So we wanted to frame what data points mean to us because there's a bit of confusion around this. And um, also words like relapse, they can really make us feel constricted and and tight because it make us it can make us feel like we've we've failed and gone back to the beginning. So this is going to be a really really powerful discussion for anyone who's been kind of on the on the merry-go-round of drinking or has has found themselves returning to drinking and wants a different way of framing it so they can keep going forwards whatever has happened, right? So me and Ellie share everything we've seen up until this point in the journey here. We don't hold back. So this is a really really powerful for anyone. Uh, wherever you are in the journey so hey if you're tuning into this when we're releasing it this week is the last week that you can get into the next stay stop solution group that will be running through july august september so don't miss that send us an email all of the infos in the show notes and stuff like that and we we spoke a lot about it in last week's episode so be sure to check that out awesome team without further ado i'll hand you over to me and ellie for a conversation all about data points see you there I am just going to see what comes out of my mouth. That's literally what I said. I was like, yeah, having a little think about what to talk about to intro this. But here we go. Let's see what comes out of my mouth. So we're going to have a chat about data points. Now, anyone who has spent any time in this naked mind world will know what a data point is. But for anyone who hasn't, they may not. So let's just give a little bit of of an intro to that. So rather than saying rather than judging the experience of drinking ahead of time the data point basically strips it of that and makes it a neutral event right whether we whether we drink whether we don't drink whether we plan to drink to get some information about alcohol right these are the it can be very very useful for us on our journey so we're going to have a bit of a chat about that today lots of people will use language like relapsing they'll say and it kind of has these ideas of like day ones and from mm. for many of us it's this idea that we kind of like go back to the beginning of the journey. And I wrote a post, a blog post ages ago called uh, 
day one is not square one. You know, as it seems to me, we never forget everything we've learned, even if we've had a long period of time alcohol free, and then we have a data point, effectively we drink, right? Um, whether it's planned, unplanned, or we're also going to talk about these data points that can happen where we go and experience something for the first time and we don't drink, but we learn a lot of stuff from it. So we're going to cover all of that in today's podcast. Um, yeah, so it should be really fun. This is a really cool topic. I love this. Yeah. It is. And so it's equally relevant wherever you are in your journey with alcohol is equally relevant to you. Yeah. So if you are happily alcohol free, no intention to drink, the portion that's where we're talking about alcohol free data points is still highly relevant. So uh, so stay, stay tuned, stay tuned. And it's, it is a, an important conversation because this opportunity to gather data is like it's far more valuable than anything else that you can pick up along the way so broadening and deepening your understanding of how alcohol works with the brain and body great starting to uncover what your beliefs are about alcohol great and starting to interrogate those beliefs great but this is all theoretical it's all why are you laughing at me? Because you just sound northern when you say great. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> so I don't worry about it. I get the piss taken about me all the great. time. Rob says, Shall we go to the cinema? I'm like, Well, what are you supposed to say? Cinema. I'm like, Oh, right. Are you? Yeah. Don't worry. I get I get done all the time for being a southerner. So. How am I supposed to say great? Great. 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 <laughs> sound like Tony the fucking tiger there. If anybody remembers Great. him, I don't think he's allowed to, to sell Frosties these days because of um, the sugar tax. Yeah, he's probably, he's uh, he's gone, uh, he's bankrupt. He's back out in the wild again. He's, he's, he's uh, yeah, a bit off more than he could chew. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, so before you rudely interrupted me, I think what I was trying to talk about was things that are great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like gathering data. And the, but the point, the point I was trying to make was about the difference between an embodied experience versus uh, an intellectual mm. idea, a concept, a theoretical understanding of something. Lived experience is so wildly important in all of this, both from the perspective of gathering data where we've where we're drinking mindfully and data where we're not drinking. What do you want yeah. to say now? Well, we've we've both <laughs> I'm waving my finger at it. We've both got experiences where it's it's the, the where a data point has been really, really important for us in our journey. You know, you've spoken about um Christmas Eve, um, before the LEE, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about the kind of pre-work before the live alcohol experiment with this naked man mind where you kind of really started your alcohol. You just about said this naked man there. <laughs> <laughs> this naked man right here. I'm not naked. You can check it on YouTube. <laughs> Next year, second year Yet. anniversary, I'll do one naked in my SpongeBob uh, hot pants. I won't. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> That's it. Like, we're going to lose a lot of subscribers if that happens. <laughs> it's been a whole year getting them and then and then they're all gone. Um, and I, you know, I I actually, I had a 19-month um, alcohol-free period in my life. And then I, and I drank for a, for a few months after that. And it was, I genuinely how i just hit the table <laughs> this is going all wrong i genuinely um see that as being the the final thing that 
that totally set me free because I knew how amazing life could be. There were a few little things um, through to quite big things that I hadn't looked at that, that it showed me in bright shining lights. It was like, this is what you need to look at if you actually want to live free, really free. Um, Mm. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm really grateful. So these are not things to be scared of. And I think some people are absolutely petrified. It's actually the mechanism for a lot of people's um, abstinence is that they basically, their life is laced with fear of what could happen if they were to return. And really that's, uh, you know, that, that subconscious fear can, we build walls and we can accidentally make our life smaller. And anybody who knows what we're up to here, we're all about making life bigger. So we, we really want to, talk about data points as well as neutral events they're not things to be scared of that's not meaning to say that we you know we're going to talk about the nuances here so let's go ellie before i start waffling on about a load of nonsense but tell us about that we wanted to cover the kind of planned data point right and you had an example Mm -hmm. of kind of the pre-work that leads up to the live alcohol experiment for anyone who's done that or is considering doing it right yes exactly so there are there are two options for the live for the live that two options for the alcohol experiment for people that are not familiar there is the alcohol experiment which you can go through at any time it's entirely free and then there is what we call the live version next one being july and this is where you have all of the same fabulous content so it's 30 days worth of content the idea is that you take a break from alcohol during that time and you start to learn about how alcohol works with the brain and body, all of the science behind it. And then you start to interrogate the beliefs, your personal beliefs about alcohol. So you're doing that over 30 days, the live version, you have live coaching. So there'll be coaches like Sam or uh, Sam and I, not in the, we're not in the, God, I can't speak today. Edit this bit out. We're great. (laughs) Oh, great. We're, we're not coaching July, but there are some fantastic coaches, including Susan Joy. Oh, yeah, Susan's there. Susan's there. So uh, get yourself along for the live alcohol experiment. And what you will have alongside all this content is a coach going live every single day. You can have your questions answered. And uh, Coach Terry's in there as well. And Coach Terry was a coach in the live alcohol experiment when I did it. And I remember taking one of my biggie questions to Terry and she unlocked that for me. So it's, it's absolutely worth the $47, the princely sum of $47. That's all it is. And if you're willing to pay a little bit more for VIP status, then you get to have accountability calls with coaches again, like Samurai, but not Samurai because we're not coaching in July, but this way you'd be on Zoom with coaches. So we'll drop the links for, uh, for the alcohol experiment uh, in the show notes, but definitely something to look at. Whether you are doing the live or the stand, I'm going to call it the standard version of the, of the alcohol experiment, there is something called pre-work. And it, it it baffles me how many people get to like day one and then they look at the content on day one. It's like, no, 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 there's pre-work to do. Do the pre-work, the pre part of the pre-work. When I signed up for it, was uh, mindful drinking. And it was this concept of like, hang on a minute, I've never done that before. I've never drank mindfully before. So what's that all about then? And to begin with, I hadn't planned. So I was already alcohol free at this point. So I'd stopped in the middle of December after reading this PDF from Annie around moderation and why it's so tricky. 
And I had no desire to drink, so I wasn't planning on drinking, but there were a few opportunities that presented themselves up to the start of the live alcohol experiment. And I decided I chose on specific occasions to drink. And I've talked about those occasions in different podcasts already, but there were those occasions where I made the decision to drink. I got so much insight from those those decisions like I I couldn't put a price on it I remember when we started to tick over so it would have been about I don't know just before Christmas everybody joins the Facebook group for the alcohol experiment and people start to talk it talking and getting to know one another and then as you approach the first of January there's like a huge influx of people and it just like the group goes from a couple of hundred to three thousand quite rapidly And I remember somebody coming into the group towards the the beginning of the, like, let's say we were on the 1st of January and they kind of did this thing of like, oh, I didn't realize that we had pre-work to do. I didn't realize there was this like mindful drinking thing. And they, they put the question out to the community. Like, do you think I should, you know, start here at day one or should I go and do the mindful drinking? And I remember feeling really, um, strongly that like if that was me and I knew how valuable it had been to gather the data I'd want the opportunity to do that before I then amassed like 30 days and then perhaps didn't want to go back to it so there was you know you can imagine people with differing opinions some people say oh no no you're on day one so you know stay the course but I, I think I did stick my oar in and say well this this was my experience this is what happened to me when I did the mindful drinking exercise because something as in as seemingly small and insignificant as you know having a drink um and and I don't mean that in I'm not taken away from the uh you know kind of the gravity of what we're dealing with I just mean the the very act of like pouring something in a glass picking it up putting it to your mouth like that that simple act like I didn't think that there would be so much power in it but I nearly said the F word, or oh, I can't say the F word. Like it, it really surprised me. So I had three big beliefs. I drink to relax. I like the taste and I like the way it makes me feel. So I thought that that first 20 minutes of what I would call tipsiness, I thought that that was a feeling that I enjoyed. And on each of the occasions where I mindfully drank, I learned so much so um, opportunity number one was the infamous story of Lapland UK where my husband didn't know that I'd stopped drinking because I hadn't told him he got me a single serve wine at lunchtime and I was like oh, felt like crestfallen like I didn't want to drink and in my head I've got this voice saying but you can't waste it like single serve wine can't waste it and then the second thought which was a better thought was yeah but it can't be that bad So I'd learned this information of how alcohol works with the brain and body, what happens when your blood alcohol content rises, what happens when it falls. Yeah, surely it can't be that bad. So I chose to drink. And guess what? It was that bad. Like the whole experience was so powerful in proving to me, and nobody else could tell me this. I had to figure this out for myself viscerally. There was no upside to it at all. There was no, like when, if, if you are in a position where you're quite happy and 
feeling joy like I was down with Santa and the elves, like there was nowhere for me to go. So I didn't feel any elation. I didn't feel any um, any euphoria from drinking. What I did feel was the four to five hours of dysphoria with Santa Claus and reindeer and all the rest of it. And then the M25 on the way home. And it was, it was bloody horrific. So just in that one example, I learned so much around like how it really feels like what, what you really get and what you don't get. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, that's the thing is that we spend, we've spoken about this over and over again, that we're living in our thought system, belief system, we're living in our own bubble. We're not feeling the world. We're feeling our internal stuff. So if our internal stuff has got a story around what alcohol does and doesn't do for us, we that's what we experience. Even when we're drinking it, we can have this experience of kind of like this placebo effect. Um, but when you get really, the mindful thing is about being like, oh, okay, so I'm not going to play out my story. I'm going to actually ask myself, what do I feel like 10 minutes in, 20 minutes in, half an hour in? two hours in and actually like as best as we can, because obviously alcohol is going to take us out the present moment, but until, you know, as best as we can actually collecting data. And this isn't, you know, obviously you don't need to do this if you're, you know, if you're happily alcohol free, like then, you know, this isn't, this is certainly isn't a recommendation to go, <laughs> to go and do that. But if you're at the beginning of your journey or if you're at a point where you're kind of every now and again, you keep finding yourself, you know, going, going back to these kind of routine patterns. Mm. Um, it can be really powerful to do that because I think we're like, we're like, Oh, actually I haven't done that. And yeah, mm. the few times that I did that, I found you start to get really curious about the sensations in your body, just as sensations. Um, and you get, and then you get curious about, well, what's coming from, from other places as well. So Annie talks about, you know, her experience where she kind of just gets drunk in a you know, there's not really anything going on just in a room. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and it's, you realize that there's just you and the feelings. Yeah. And then you realize what, well, how much of it's coming from the alcohol and how much of it is coming from other places and we're crediting it to the alcohol. Mm. So that can be a really, really powerful experience for people. And you can realize things you can realize in a flash. Oh, 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 oh. Like actually it's not, <laughs> it's really not doing for me what I thought it was. I just thought it was doing that. And that's really powerful. Mm. Just, just the thought that, or the belief that alcohol can do something for us, even if that's not true will alter will will affect our kind of the the lived reality that we're in so seeing it for how it really is is, is like yeah. key in a lock for some of us yeah it's 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 uncovering the truth for yourself your own real lived experience and i as i say i i, I would have sworn that i loved that like that initial feeling and when i really paid attention to it so this is now christmas eve and i really paid attention to it with Michael Bublé singing away and my glass of champagne I poured for myself. I, I didn't like it. I've got the notes on my phone that I wrote down at the time, I, like exactly how I felt. So it was like this heavy brow, this headache, this feeling of like dissociation. Yeah, at the same time, the room was kind of closing in on me. The way that, that I like sounds- to dis... Sounds lovely. Yeah, because well, this is why I this, this is why I describe it as the shit merry-go-round because <laughs> the issue is like you you're on it, you can't get off it. So that's when you know. I mean, I think even in that case with um, that Christmas Eve, it's like, oh fuck it, I'm like I'm on it now. Like it's, it's shit. So, but the the other the other belief that I managed to blast 
at the same time with Michael Bublé. And this is where you're mentioning about like we're not necessarily advocating that people who are happily alcohol-free go back and drink. But there is one belief that I think can linger for people. And this is the I like the taste one. And so Michael Bublé and I discovered that I did not like the taste because I paid attention to it for the first time properly after thinking that I was a wine connoisseur and, and only buying the best bottles of wine and the best bottles of champagne, spending a lot of money on them. So again, like I'm, I'm never going to, I'm never going to, uh, I'm never going to advise somebody to go back and have a drink, but something to consider is like, you can taste you, like if, if I always remember somebody in one of my groups was really hung up about, oh, but I've just like all of my other beliefs I've dealt with, but I really love the taste of wine. It's like, right. It, you know, you, how, how do you know? And so where this person got to in the end, and they've been alcohol free for a decent amount of time, they decided that they were going to taste it. They weren't going to swallow it. They weren't going to have a whole glass but they were going to taste it because they wanted to see what it really tasted like. And guess what? You know, spoiler alert, it was bloody horrible because ethanol does not taste nice. No matter what you mix it with, it doesn't taste nice. Well, even regardless of this is a this is another podcast for sure, the taste one, because I know for sure there will be people listening to this calling bullshit. And that's and that's fine. Like we don't we don't want anyone to take anything on faith here, ultimately. Mm. And 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 I really don't believe that. I, I think if that if if one of the if the final thread, for example, is that if you're like, oh, but I do enjoy the taste, if that's one last thing, I think we can deal with that um, without kind of like a taste test as such. But for someone else, it might be like, oh, actually, I'm really curious about this. And, you know, that's mm. you do you do you right, ultimately. But um, even at whatever it is, if you happen to be enjoying something that you're not going to be enjoying the alcohol, I can promise you that you don't want to be swigging alcohol really doesn't taste nice in its pure form and it and it ain't very good for you it's going to make you very sick very quickly um you know so reg- so it's kind of like a bit of a red herring you know it's like mm-hmm. i think will i think william in his book kind of says you know if i if i had four or five meals and your favorite meal was one that made you wake up in the morning and feel shit and have all of these effects and your second favorite meal was one that didn't have all of those you'd probably quite easily be like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll stick to the second favorite meal. It's, it's like a, it's kind of, it's a funny one. It needs a bit of an exploration to unlock that. So I think we should definitely do a podcast on that soon. Mm. Yeah, it's a good shout. It's a good shout. But it's, it's one of those that whenever I talk to people about that belief, I don't think I've ever come across anybody that has actually really put it under the microscope. It's one of those that is like, oh, I just believe it, like like the sky is blue, as I did, as I did, until until I chose to pay attention, until I chose to get curious about it, to see what was really true for me in my own body, in my own experience. And it was that that data on those, on, particularly on those three things, they were the strong, I had other beliefs about alcohol, but they were the three biggest. So when I then went into the alcohol experiment, with a few days alcohol free under my belt, I just, I had zero desire to drink. Like it was, it was easy. It was effortless to not drink because I, I couldn't see any benefit in it anymore. There was just nothing to be had. But if I hadn't have had those experiences, 
would I have still had a longing for? Oh yeah, but there's that really nice bottle of champagne that I've kept all year. Oh, or yeah, but I still like the buzz. Don't know. It's hard to say, isn't it? Mm. Mm. It's hard to say, but uh, well, the thing is that that will very often that will show itself because often what will happen is if there are beliefs in there that are key to us living free and not being pulled back in again, um, by hook or by crook, one of two things are probably going to happen. Right, we're going to make our world smaller because we don't want to go into situations where where those feelings come up for us, or we end up doing what I did after 19 months and we construct a, a reality inside our mind, which means that, oh, well, I've, you know, got to have a drink then, haven't I? And, and that, that's another kind of data point. That's the kind of the, the non-planned thing that can, there's no point pretending that uh, these things can't, that, that they're never, because they can happen. They don't happen in everybody's journey. Some people are just like, bang, and, and it's, and it's done. And that's amazing. And, and, and for some of us, it isn't, you know, it took me, a long old time. I was going out there figuring this stuff out on my own. The the live alcohol, the alcohol experiment didn't exist back then. Um, you know, I was 26, so everybody around me was going out getting hooned and like all the time. And so I was like trying to navigate this world on my own. Um, and so I had a whole ton of beliefs in there. Um, but I also so some of them were falling away, and as I was reading the books, but you know, and I was so I get kept getting pulled back in, kept getting sucked back in a month off, two months off, three months off, four months off, I think. And then, you know, this longer period of time. And um, had you asked me after those 19 months, 18 and a half months, I think it was, whatever it was, is this a, what's happened to you? I wouldn't have said that I'd relapse. That wasn't language in me that I just didn't use that because to me, it, it didn't really feel like I went back to square one. It always felt like I was learning. It felt like it sucked more every time I went back. So I actually knew that I was learning because every time I was just getting more frustrated at myself, that I was sort of doing this to myself again. I was like, fuck's sake, why am I back here again? Um, and, and, and just at that, that point is really critical because I hear this so, so many times from people and it's so easy to then be caught in that cycle of beating yourself up. This mm. is the thing to, to celebrate because it shows, just as Sam said, it shows the growth. Like you're nearly there. You're nearly there. Yeah, that's it. And that's why it's not to be scared of. So that that's why I would like really, that's what I love the most about the, the language data point is that it's neutral. It's, it's a data point. We mine something for data. We just learn from it. And so... Because the moment we do that, the moment we realize this isn't a moral thing, there's nothing good or bad about drinking. Drinking is a drug. You've just got to decide whether it fits with you and your life, you know? Mm. And the moment we strip it from all of the stigma and all of the bollocks out there about all this, all the crap that's been attached to it, and we see it for what it is a liquid in a bottle that is a drug that has a set of effects that can do some things and can't do others, right? And the moment we treat those data points as neutral as well, and actually learn from them. They can literally be the thing that sets us free. So that data point to me was not planned. And, and also another really important thing to say, there are some people I think that they, they always bring up the question of, well, isn't this just going to give me free reign to be like, oh, I'll just drink when I want and I'll call it a data point. Like you're going to know if you're yeah. doing that. You, you're like, I'm not going to call bullshit on you. You're going to call bullshit on your own shit, right? So you're, you're going to know if you're in that pattern. And that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is, like I, like I was loving my life for, for, you know, I'd done so much amazing stuff. I was really 
really making a lot of um, ground. And then I moved into a scenario that interestingly, it brought up some baggage from the past, right? It brought up things to do with dating and relationships and community and friendships and some, some old haunts and, and, and social stuff. And, and all these things came up again. Um, and suddenly I felt uncomfortable and, and I hadn't, you know, I'd felt uncomfortable over the preceding 19 months, but this was some, some, some deep seated shit that came up. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly I found myself in this kind of internal battle with alcohol again. Well, but that data point was amazing. It taught me, dude, you need to sort yourself out. Like a, it's, it's great to have the mates you've got, but you also need a tribe of people who really, really get you, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, it'd be really, really great if you could like start writing and get some of this stuff out, which I started doing with the blog. That was really cathartic. You know, there were some things to do with accountability that I wanted to do. And, and, and then I was like, wow, actually, that was the greatest gift I ever had. There's no way this podcast would exist if, if it hadn't been for those few months because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they suck. So they weren't great. And I learned a lot from them. So that's another one, you know, and that, that pattern, it, it may be playing out on the month rolling. It might be like, you know, you do your, you do your challenges of a January. Every year you do your dry January and then February comes around and you're thinking to yourself, oh, bloody hell, here we are again. I should have learned a lesson or you know, it, it it plays out differently for so many of us. The pattern is it's infinite in the amount of ways that it can it can play out for people. <clears throat> but yeah, like if you notice that pattern, like Ellie said, if you're beating yourself up, um, you know, ironically, that's how we lock this stuff in because that's when you when you get at yourself for doing something that the real you doesn't isn't really interested in. You know, this this subconscious kind of elephant that's running around in the background. It doesn't, that's kind of like a toddler that's not really dealing in logic. You know, it's something gets activated, a past experience comes up and suddenly drinking makes sense to us. That's just something to be kind to ourselves about and curious about. It's not, this is not a right, wrong thing. This is not a, ah, oh, I've done a bad thing. I've, I've gone back to the beginning. I've let myself down. And this is a, the moment we start doing that to ourselves, what do we get? We get shameful thoughts we get shameful feelings and then and then alcohol makes sense more so actually the the key in the lock is is the opposite of that it's compassion it's uh mm-hmm. acceptance and non-resistance and and allowing that we're human and and we all have these these things that come up and that's okay that's okay and that allows us to look at a data point as a data point take note learn from it and move on mm-hmm. yeah well said well said i mean, that they're just they're so bloody vitally important i'll often refer to them as gold because you can't like the value that's attached to them is is huge it goes right back to what you were saying before just as we we introed this or just as you introed it and you were saying about them being the things that set you free like for sure it is so be careful about how you frame them in your own in your own mind because demonizing them and demonizing your own behavior like sam says that that keep that keeps you stuck but to see them as something productive and expansive that it provides such benefit it's it's a huge thing it really is yeah and the aim of the game is freedom right in the way that you want it i wanted to make my life bit my life bigger i wanted to go to music festivals i wanted to travel i wanted to do all these things and i wanted to do it alcohol free and so probably i had data points i might not have had if i'd have made my life really small and avoided situations but 
wasn't up mm. for that. I wasn't interested in that. And, and I take that. And that's that's my decision. And we all have our own to make. But I'm pretty sure that none of us decide to stop drinking in order to make our lives smaller or our worlds smaller. We do it to make mm. our worlds bigger. Our worlds are normally small enough by the time we're at the point where we're ready to to stop drinking or leave alcohol behind. And um, mm. so, you know, and then, and then it leads to this kind of other really amazing data point, which we wanted to bring up because I don't think it, it, it's in a lot of people's understanding of what this may mean. And that's where we go and do something, a holiday, wedding, you know, whatever, and we don't drink. Um, and we're either like completely confirmed in that. And we're like, wow, that was easier than I thought, or that was more challenging than I thought, or, or whatever the experience is again, neutral, no, no judgment on it, it just is what it is. And, and learning from that. Um, and that again, can also be another one. We, we sort of, we go, we, we seem to, for some reason, put a few events in, on a pedestal. We're like, oh, these ones are all fine. I figured that one out, figured that one out, but there's weddings and there's holidays and there's this one. And then it's like, then we're frightened to go to them because we don't know what it's going to mean because in our head somehow going on you know going on a holiday is different to going to a barbecue i don't know what we come up with this this kind of like thought creation in our head about why they're different then we get really really panicked about it and worried about it and but actually often they're there again they're like the thing that sets free we go and have that first alcohol free holiday we're like oh my god it's so much better you mean the holiday's twice as long i don't wake up feeling like shit i've got money left over and I come back from a holiday feeling better than when I went fucking hell that's novel who'd have thought who'd have thought that you don't need to have a holiday from your holiday bloody hell um and 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 yeah so that's the other opportunity that we have is to consciously take note of what we're really enjoying what seems to be easy where where does it actually seem to be tough like where are we Perhaps we went on holiday and we didn't enjoy it as much as we expected. That's another thing not to judge ourselves for, but just to get really curious about, because it doesn't mean holidays are shit. I can promise you that. It just, it means that there's something going on somewhere, which is coloring what's going on. Maybe you don't enjoy that kind of holiday anymore. Yeah. Uh, maybe you had a load of stuff in your head that you were feeling the thoughts rather than being in the room on the day. You know, maybe you were surrounded by people that you actually don't really want to go on holiday with anymore. Perhaps you were somewhere where everybody was was drunk all the time, and that's just not fun. So, getting curious about it and and looking at the data, just as data, is mm. really powerful. Mm. Well, it, it opens up opportunity for change in in some way. What came to mind when you were talking about? gathering that kind of data that, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> I didn't enjoy that. Right. Well, but why, mm. why? And what it can lead us towards is being much more discerning about where we put our time and our energy and our focus and starting to, I suppose it's two things. One, getting to know yourself again. And uh, then having your back to ensure that you're aligned with what's important to you. I remember going to um, Vegas for my friend's wedding. And it was the only time that I've been away from the kids for, you know, a, a holiday like that. And this was just before I stopped drinking. And I mean, it was, it, it was absolutely like, it was properly boosted. I had a fantastic time, but there's a, big you know portion of it I can't remember and 
I've completely lost. Why was I talking about this? <laughs> I'm, having those, I'm having one of those funny moments again. One of those brain foggy moments. We'll just Why wait for here? Oh, so hey, here we Ellie go. Ellie to return from Sorry, her funny know. moment. Have you returned now? Yeah, I have. <clears> Great. Great. I'm back. <laughs> what, where I, like, I, I had a wonderful time. But what it taught me was that, number one, I wanted to go back to Vegas and do it sober. So that all of the things that I'd experienced, I could experience them fully. So we did things like um, eating dinner in the dark. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I have actually randomly. Fucking hell. <laughs> what a fucking liability that is. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, now, I'm not sure I would want to do that again, actually, because I, well, I don't know. I, I probably would. I probably would just to see what it's like. I didn't enjoy it at the time, which, which is possibly why I drank so much um, at that event. <laughs> we find my glass and everybody else is on the table. Um, we did uh, there's this thing called Slotzilla. Have you heard of that? Where you, it's Superman style and you fly down um, so many stories up down Old Vegas. It's freaking awesome. It's freaking awesome. But I remember then feeling that anticipation and the nerves. Oh, I'll have, I'll have a drink. I'll take the edge off the nerves. Yeah, it does. But then it takes the edge off the actual experience, the, sen the full sensory experience. So there's a bunch of stuff that I would love to go back to Vegas to do, you know, fully present and sober, including meeting the lovely Matt Goss. What a, what a guy he is. Um, you don't know who he is? Who's that? I'll piss off. I'm not good with names and celebrities. Matt and that Goss, guy. part of yeah, Bros. Yeah, I mean, you said it before. Part of who? It's part of Bros. What's wrong That's with Bros. you? Oh my, oh, my God. Is that a band? Right, can everybody send some abuse to Sam for, you know, not knowing who Bros is? Oh, my okay, good Paul, God. I, would I, I would know them if I heard them, no doubt. They're probably some dodgy band well, from the 80s, knowing you. Well, they are from the 80s, but I wouldn't yeah. call them a dodgy. But they were one of the, like, the boy bands of the 80s. Do you remember when will I be famous? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah there you See, go. Now you know. Well, yeah. now, of course, I know. Jeez, Louise. Are they so, not called bros, or are they called br bros? <laughs> That's the southern version, bros. <laughs> bros. Great. Uh, so, so I met Matt. My friend is friends with Matt. She set up this um, situation so we could go and meet him. And and his show is fantastic at the Mirage, absolutely wonderful. But again, like we were all pissed by the time that we got to it. And we were pissed when we met Matt. And I'm sure it would have been, yeah, there you go. Give us a blast. Can't hear it, mate. No, I'm going to have to play it through the speakers. Go on, you keep waffling. Um, and he does a version of When Will I Be Famous, but it's um, his old jazz band. And anyway, it's fantastic. So... Number one, I want to go back to Vegas and do it present and sober. Number two, oh, go on then. I'm going to rudely interrupt you. <laughs> will I, will I be famous? I can't great. answer that. I can't answer that. Great. It is great. Anyway. <laughs> Fucking awesome. So if you like Bros, you like the 80s, send some abuse to Mr. Sam for not being. Love the 80s. I was born in the 80s. I wasn't very big in the 80s. You can't remember them, though, can you? Well, Two. I know the song. I Whip don't remember snapper. them. 
<laughs> I was three. Well, I was a little nine, whippersnapper. 1987, I was born. That, that tune you? probably oh, came out. Oh, you're the same age as my bro. They are. That apparently, no, that, well, well, there you go, you see. Yeah. Oh, I'm never going to forget oh, now. No, you're like my little bro. <laughs> bros. <laughs> I've got two bros. <laughs> um, anyway, so the second thing is, finally get to it, is that on my way home with my enormous hangover, I've got, I remember getting home, getting out of the car, coming up the driveway, and my little girl, Noah, the littlest one, she'll have only been, maybe she'd just turned one. So she's just, like just a little one-year-old. And this little gummy, half gummy, half toothy smile comes up to the window and her little face seeing me coming back. And it was very easy to say, oh, I'm never drinking again because I felt so rubbish. And I think I went about a week before I started drinking again. But there was this opening for this. It was, it was some self-reflection. And whilst I would never take away from the experience, I, like, I wouldn't change anything but it didn't feel congruent. That's what I was getting to. It was like, this isn't me anymore. I'm not like I'm at the time I was, I don't know, 39. I'm nearly 40. I've got three kids at home. So partying like I did in my twenties, it just didn't, it didn't feel right anymore. It didn't feel like me. So there is this coming home to yourself and there is this relearning or not relearning a, a, a new learning of, like that was okay back then. That was great, but maybe not for now. Maybe there is something else that I want to do with my time. Maybe there is something else that I want to explore. Maybe I'll, it's it's not necessarily that I want to, um, I, I don't want to participate in those relationships, but I want to participate in those relationships in a different way. Like everything's up for, everything's up for grabs. Like it's up to you. But that feeling where we are acting in a way that isn't congruent with our values and our intention, like it feels bad. It does. That's it. And it becomes more about the hows than the whats. Like I love going to music festivals these days and I'll go to places where I want to go. They tend to be transformational. They tend to have yoga and all sorts of things in there. Things You literally couldn't pay me to go back to Global Gathering or pay me to go back to the shit that I used to do. Um honestly you can keep your money i'm not interested at all um so it maybe it's like not even the what's maybe the what's are the same but the how's are different and uh yeah and the, and yeah. the types of things that we get drawn to and that's all great and that's all part of us figuring these things out um yeah i love that i love that i think that might be a really nice place to kind of uh leave it because it that question of like well how do i want to live my life how do I want to go about doing these things? How do I want to think about data points or the or the, the data points of the past or this holiday that's coming up a few weeks from now or, the, or the, my first alcohol-free holiday that's coming up in the summer, for example? Like, how am I going to approach that in a way that allows me to just see it for what it is and just like, you know, just be there, be present, um, regardless of what's going on and, and learn from it and learn about me and learn about the world and, and learn about how I, how I want to show up. Mm, mm. And whatever you decide to do is going to be okay. Whatever you decide to do will be okay. You are okay. You will be okay. You have just endless opportunity for growth and learning. It's fabulous. 
So hold it, hold it lightly and think about what your intention is ahead of, there's another podcast we should do about intention setting, but think about what's important for you ahead of some of these events. I've got a wonderful client, two wonderful clients that are about to go cruising. And we were talking this week about, well, how do you want to feel on your cruise? What do you like? One of the ladies has never been cruising before. How, like, how do you want to feel? How do you want it to be? So that can be a really great place to start to prepare from. What are you, you know going to play now? <laughs> I don't know if they're allowed to play. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, it's all right. My my friends, my friends, she's in our Facebook group. She's friends with them. She'll iron it out. Oh yeah, sweet. Get her to yeah, send. It's all right. Yeah, maybe the we bros, could get him the bros on there. a message. Yeah, get the bros on. Get him on. Know, yeah, that would be. I don't know whether. I don't, in fact, I don't even know whether we're sober or not. Maybe might be we need a sober celeb to come on don't we that's what we'll we need as a challenge for us we'll sort it out mm. right team love you all i'm <laughs> <laughs> just doing some weird kind of like movement this is um th- this is from a wedding we watched this is going dancing in the, this, like this this is, this is giraffe this is going, hands this is going in the highlight video are you having a giraffe yeah giraffe See you later, team. Bye. adios so what a great chat and and just know just know that this is not about right or wrong. This is not about good or bad. This is not about, you know, failing or any of that stuff. This is about learning and about um, growing and about being the, the best version of ourselves. And um, very often we're so frightened of, uh, of data points in, in however they look to us. But actually, they, they're so full of gold. They're such unbelievable gifts. And um, hopefully this conversation has, has shone, shone a light on that for you. Now, come into the Facebook group. Come join. Come leave us a review. Let people know if this has been a really, really powerful episode for you. Pop onto Apple and leave us a review and come into the Facebook group. And yeah, yeah, let us know what you got from this and uh, let's start a discussion. All right, team, have an amazing week. See you soon. <laughs>